0: 2 Corinthians 6, verses 3 to 13. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand, and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, Genuine, yet regarded as imposters. Known, yet regarded as unknown. Dying, and yet we live on. Beaten, and yet not killed. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also.
1: Thanks, Mark. If I haven't met you before, my name is Jess um, and I would love you to come and say hi at the end. So before we dive in this evening, I'm going to admit, maybe regrettably, Um, that I have really wrestled with this passage this week. And at points, um, I've actually annoyed myself that I couldn't just accept what I was reading at face value. Um, If you know me, you'll know I'm a massive overthinker. Um, And if I'm not agreeing with something, I literally just can't rest until I've wrestled it through. And the reason that I'm saying that to you this evening is because it's okay if you also need to wrestle with this text, and maybe even with what I have to say. It's okay if, like me, it even takes you a little while to come round to what Paul is trying to say to us. With this passage, we're looking at the theme of tough times, and that does have the potential to be uncomfortable for some of us here this evening. Like I've said at points, I found writing this talk uncomfortable. But I hope that you are willing to walk through this passage with me. Because one thing I genuinely believe is that we can't experience real change in any aspect of our lives, let alone our walk with God, without feeling a bit uncomfortable at times. And my prayer this evening is that God will meet you in those uncomfortable spaces and begin a really profound work within you. So let's pray as we begin. Father, we thank you for this passage that we have this evening. And I pray that you reveal to each of us the truth about who you are that you want us to take away from this evening. And where that's uncomfortable, Like I said, I pray that you meet us because you want to change, transform and renew us as we leave this space this evening. Amen. So I'm gonna start by asking you um, a deeply profound question. I hope you're prepared. Ketchup or brown sauce? Okay, show of hands. Ketchup? Oh wow, brown sauce. Okay, that was significantly more swayed towards ketchup than I was expecting. Because as a kid, brown sauce all the way. Absolutely hated ketchup, didn't want that stuff anywhere near me. Until about three years ago, I realized that my entire life had been a lie because ketchup is brilliant. You see, my mother cannot stand ketchup. And I mean, it's to the extent that if she was loading the dishwasher and there was ketchup on a plate, she would refuse to touch it. And she couldn't understand how anyone in their right mind could like ketchup. And so her reaction to ketchup was what got in the way of my love for it now. And it wasn't until I was legitimately 23 years old that I realized that ketchup is pretty good. And so I am very aware that this is a really silly and trivial example, but we've probably all had moments in our lives where someone has said something or done something and it's affected our experience of something. Maybe it's even changed your mind on something and it stood in the way of you having an authentic experience of that thing. Paul opens our passage today with the proclamation that he doesn't want to be a stumbling block to anyone's faith. And a stumbling block is just something that stands in the way of something else. You see, Paul was coming up against a lot of criticism from the people in Corinth. Without oversimplifying it, they were just pretty grumpy with him. They were refusing to believe that his style of ministry was indeed the genuine thing. And they were accusing him of not doing the right things and not doing them in the right way. And there were newcomers or false teachers in this community and they were the real stumbling blocks to the Corinthians they were generating an uncertainty about the true Jesus and the authentic gospel. And it was for this reason that there was a sense of urgency in Paul's message. He wants them to change their ways and to do it quickly because they were stirring up suspicions, misunderstandings, and a sense of distrust in Paul. And it was leading the Corinthians to hold back their affections to him and to the message that he was preaching. And so in response to this, Paul vulnerably opens up his heart to the Corinthians, to tell them of the sort of person he really is. And he isn't doing this, as I maybe initially thought, to recover his own ego, but he's actually trying to rescue the Corinthians He's wanting to break through their shell of indifference and open up their eyes to what it really means to follow Jesus. Paul is aware that the gospel of Jesus may offend people and in fact it still does today, but he was making a conscious effort to ensure that his behavior wouldn't offend people, that his behavior would instead point people to God because you see it's one thing if someone doesn't become a Christian because they don't believe in the gospel but if it's it's another thing if it's our behavior as Christians that puts them off and turns them away Paul knows profoundly that it's these more subtle stumbling blocks that are found within our inconsistent behavior that are the most dangerous. And so I want to ask you this evening if there are ever ways in which you act or have acted that could be stumbling blocks to another person's faith. And I think a helpful way to start thinking about this is to think of the ways that maybe you've experienced someone else being a stumbling block to you because maybe even unknowingly, you've also done that to someone else. Because I know uh, that I have. (laughs) I can quite often have a tendency to moan on Monday mornings about how exhausting a Sunday was, because I was serving on a team or I'd spent all of that week writing a talk for a Sunday evening, or because I'd been out the house all day because someone lovely had the audacity to invite me round for lunch. But what message is that giving to that colleague who asked me about my weekend? Am I telling them that church and the Christian life is actually an exhaustive, onerous weekly task that I endure? Or am I telling them that it's a life-giving space? That it's one where I get to serve the people who I love and who have consistently loved me? That it's a space where i get to share something of who god is to a room full of people on a sunday evening where i get welcomed into families and i'm consistently blown away by the community i find in this space in his talk last week paul paul sorry not paul the apostle bit confusing uh, paul sorry reminded us that we might be the only gospel that people encounter. And so what is the gospel people are encountering when they meet you or I? What the Apostle Paul is striving for is to live with consistent behavior. And he goes on to explain that in all circumstances, he has tried to live in line with the gospel. And he indicates in this passage that the best way of judging the integrity of his ministry was to watch how he responded to pressures of every kind because he knows that it's how we behave, but particularly when we are under pressure and in tough times, that's an important part about how we show Jesus to the people around us. In verses four and five of our passage this evening, Paul outlines some of the hardships that he has faced. And the way that these hardships are written in these verses is in three groups of three hardships. And so there are three which are more general pressures, three which were inflicted by others, and three which were seemingly self-inflicted. And I think this just highlights to us the extent of the sufferings and hardships that Paul had faced. I think it's important to also recognize that it isn't the hardships in and of themselves that were commending Paul, but it was the way that he acted in and through them. In verses 6 and 7 of our passage, Paul balances out this suffering with the qualities by which he uh, wished to live out his ministry. And these were purity, understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God. I wanna read that list again and just see if one of them jumps out at you. Purity, understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God. Now, whatever word it was that jumped out to you, is that how you react when you are faced with a challenge, a difficulty, or a hardship? I will admit to you that I have not acted very well in a tough time that I found myself in, in these past few weeks. I have a new job which is starting in March, and it's safe to say that my current employers have not reacted well to the fact that I am leaving. But in some of the conversations I've had with my colleagues when I've told them that I'm moving on, they've asked me how leadership have responded, and I've let that frustration slip out. And I haven't had malicious intentions in doing so. And on a bit of reflection, I know that I've just been feeling pretty hurt. I've been feeling like everything I've done over the three years I've worked for this organization have been undervalued. And I've probably been looking for someone to tell me that I'm not doing the wrong thing. (laughs) But it doesn't change the fact that when this pressure hit, I have spoken unkindly and words of grace have mildly evaded my vocabulary. (laughs) And that just isn't the kind of person I want to be. And I don't think it's the kind of person that Jesus is calling me to be. But what I need to remind myself and hopefully remind you of this evening is that these positive virtues that Paul was listing They're not ones that are self-generated. They're not just a product of positive thinking or some kind of self-control from within us, but they're a product of God's power and God's presence at work within Paul. They're a result of the Holy Spirit living within him. And so despite the trials that he's faced and no matter the circumstances in his life, Paul now has God's perspective. His value system and even his reactions were shaped by the values of the kingdom of God and not merely by the values of this world. That's definitely how I'm going to strive to go into my final week in my current workplace. Paul had been shamed and he'd been slandered. He'd been taunted, called a liar and a deceiver. He'd been ignored, as if he simply wasn't worth bothering about. He'd survived assassination attempts and some really fierce punishments for things when he hadn't done anything wrong. And so whatever circumstance you find yourself in this evening, If Paul hadn't been through it, he'd probably been through something quite similar. And yet. Verses 8 to 10 of our passage this evening are the ones which have spoken to me most profoundly this week. Because we are confronted by these and yet statements. Paul is drawing out the sting of the hardships he's faced by balancing them with glory and praise and hope. But it's this little word, yet, that I think holds all of the power. I have lived through a few tough times in my 26 little years of life. And the only thing that I can be guaranteed of is that I'll probably face some more. And that thought actually used to really discourage me, and so every time I had a panic attack or I slipped back into depression, I would just be fearing when I came out of it the fact it was maybe going to happen again. But it was in one of my more recent tough times that I learned the power of the word yet. And I learned the abundance of hope that can be stored in just three letters. Because I would come to the end of a long and exhausting day, and through all of the chaos and confusion going on in my head, I would hear the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit within me saying, today was hard, yet tomorrow might be better. And in the mornings where I didn't even know if I wanted to peel myself out of bed, I could get up and look in the mirror and say, yesterday was hard, yet today might be better. I think too often in our society, particularly through social media and all of the highlight reels that surround us, there's this narrative that's being pushed at us that success is found in the absence of suffering. But what the message of Christ tells us is that success is found in the choices we make in our suffering. Holding on to the hope of yeah is a choice that we have to make. Actually, I want to rephrase that. As Christians, it's a choice that we get to make. Because we are living in the now and not yet of the kingdom of God. We're living in a world that was never how God intended it to be. And so we get to choose to hold on to our hope. But we don't have to do that on our own. We have Jesus. We have his spirit living in and through us. We have the grace of God to comfort, strengthen, encourage, help, protect, transform us. And we have each other. We have a community of God's people to love and support us. These people around you this evening, they can hold on to your hope for you when you can't seem to do it for yourself. Theologian Tom Wright explains this beautifully, and he says, it's a bit of a long quote, but I think it's worth it. Christian maturity gets the balance right. It isn't so much a matter of a bit of this and a bit of that. It's a lot of both, and at the same time, And part of the task, not only of being a Christian, but of being in a Christian community is to be able to grieve and celebrate at the same time, to share the pain and the joy of the world, and indeed the tears and laughter of God. Our passage this evening closes with one final urge to the Corinthians to open up their hearts to Paul. And Paul's ultimate goal here is not for the Corinthians to renew their feelings towards him, but to renew their faith in the gospel that he's preaching. Because if they can't open their hearts up to Paul, how will they open their hearts up to Jesus? And I think this is the challenge that is here for us this evening to open up our hearts to Jesus. After these last few years, I think we've all experienced a bit of a tough time, and no one would blame you if maybe you've closed off part of your heart to Jesus because of that. I think particularly how, given how long things have gone on for, Maybe we've closed off to his hope or his faithfulness or his love. Or maybe there's just a certain situation or circumstance we've been in that we've closed off to Jesus. We, we don't want him going there. But Jesus opened his heart wide for each and every one of us. He opened his heart wide when he came down to earth to know us and to live among us. He opened his heart wide when he died on a cross to save us. And then when he rose again to conquer death, and when one day he will come again to restore this world to how it was always meant to be. And with all of that, his heart was wide open for you maybe tonight could be the first time you've ever even considered opening your heart up to Jesus or maybe as I have been speaking he's been showing you the places in your heart that you've closed off to him Don't ignore that uncomfortable pool within you that's showing you where he maybe wants to enter in. It's okay if we need to do this one small step at a time, because even that is a really bold and brave thing to do. And opening up our hearts, might feel a little bit uncomfortable. But I can assure you, it will be worth it, Libby.